2: There is a very good case to be made that Shohei Otani's coming off the greatest month in Major League Baseball history. Otani with his Major League leading 30th home run of the season. The
3: floor for Shohei Otani's
0: free
2: agency is going to start at $500 million. He's also going to want to win, and that's why these next few months for the Angels are critical if they're going to have any chance to keep him. Either you trade him and get something, or you let him go and get a mediocre draft pick. Welcome back to Kenny and Colin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel, lady Mark Zeno, Coley Harvey. And for the fellows this afternoon, follow us on Twitter at Mark Zeno M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. He's at Coley Harvey, C-O-L-E-Y, H-A-R-V-E-Y. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-C-E-S-P-N, the phone number. All right, as you just heard coming back there that Sherry Aritani's impending – Free agency uh, at the end of this baseball season is all the talk, and what should the Angels do? This is a team right now that uh, is is way below what we would have thought or expected. You know, they believe it or not, Cole. They, they started out decently well and looked like they might be in this thing all season long, but they faded as of late. They're a game below five hundred. They've lost five in a row, uh, and real questions are starting to persist about whether Sho- Shohei Ohtani should stay in an Angels uniform if he wants to win, because Artie Moreno and company have spent hundreds of millions of dollars to net absolutely nothing, not even a playoff win for Mike Trout. So, uh, that said, should the Angels look to move Shohei Shohei Otani at the trade deadline, which is August 1st, ESPN's Buster Olney, MLB Insider, weighs in on that topic.
4: Absolutely, you can make a strong baseball argument that yes, they should take advantage of the market, especially with Trout being hurt, with their team not playing well, with them drifting back in the standings. I will tell you that last year, the Angels front office did its due diligence and gathered all the information about what potentially you could get for Otani in a trade. And when that was presented to Artie Moreno, what I've been told is Artie went crazy. Like, what are you thinking about? We're not going to trade that guy. He was furious at it his front office for gathering that information and i gotta say i really think that's what we're going to see happen this
2: year first of all his front office is smart okay that's what good front offices do they're always evaluating the value of their players what they can get for them, even if they're never going to trade them it's like looking at of your house online, I have no intention to sell, but I just like to know what it's worth, Coley.
5: Right, it's the same thing, and and, and that's what their job is, right? You know, their job yeah, is to see of, yeah. <laughs> what's out there from a financial standpoint for the players you have and for the players you want to bring in. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why that was, why that was so extreme. But in terms of this year, do you think, uh, uh, Mark, that this is what uh, what the Angels should do? That they should get rid of Otani at the trade deadline.
2: I have a little bit of crazy GM streak in me. Uh, I fancy myself often as as a GM. Um, and when I look at the Angels, if I want to fix them, if I would like to figure out a way to do this, I tell you, Otani's not the guy I trade. No. You know who the guy is? No. Mike Trout. No, no. <laughs> Why? I mean, let's look at this objectively here, Coley. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now... All this hinges on the fact of whether you can actually re-sign Otani, And I caveat this by saying, if you don't know the answer to that right now, if you don't have the numbers in front of Otani right now, guess what? He's not re-signing with you. Because, you know, either he's waiting to be, either he's flat out said, I'm not talking to anything, but at least you and his representation know, this is where we are. We know what range we're going to be in. We, We can get this done. So, you know, that sort of due diligence that the front office is doing is supposed to be done. That said... Objectively, Otani plays two positions. Mike Trout only plays one. Right? Otani has as much value in certain ways as a pitcher as he does as a hitter. Mike Trout will not net as much in a trade as Otani will, obviously. But essentially, you're taking the Trout money that you already paid him and moving most of it over to fill 75, 80% of. Ohtani's contract. Ohtani's the guy you want to build around, and I'm not slighting Mike Trout here, who at his best is still a 10-war player. Go look at his numbers. Like No one's debating that. The real question is for Mike Trout, can he stay healthy? I mean, he's on the IL right now, which makes him hard to trade, even though it's an injury you think to come back from. But the idea that you could sell to a hypothetically speaking, and as Arizona Diamondbacks team that's in first place, has a chance to go for it now and go, if I have my Trout for the playoffs, yeah, I'm a really dangerous team. Now, and again, that's just a hypothetical, you know, I'm just throwing a team out there. The idea is that even though you won't net as much, one, you're not giving up as much. And two, Otani is the player to, 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 to build around. And you're also factoring in. You'd rather get rid of a player a year early than a year late because if Mike Trout is injured again next year and doesn't play 140 games, guess what? You know the last time, minus a COVID year, the last time he played 140 games? 2017. Check watch. Oh, that was a long time ago. So, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things where if I get rid of Trout, you know, and when I say get rid of him, you know, if right, I can yeah. trade him, Mike Trout has a full no trade clause. If I can trade him, and oh by the way, there's a team near New Jersey where he grew up that he might like to play for, and yeah. they t- tend to spend a lot of money on yeah. free agents. You know, send Kyle Schwarber back to uh to uh, send send him out west to L.A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you take Mike Trout in there, so Mike sure can bet you know uh, Kyle Schwarber can bat 191 for the Angels. But anyway, um, if you can pull the deal off, I would get rid of the guys more banged up than Otani is.
5: Yeah, I, I, I again, I, I understand your logic, but I, I I'm just not sure. I, you just I just flat out disagree with it. I just disagree it's like with it. like My quarterback it. list. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't that what this is? Right? We got we got debate. Well, I right? we, we I disagree with your logic? I just categorically we, disagree. with We gotta with you. disagree. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, uh, you know, granted, the, the no trade clause, of course, is a is a is a big point too for uh, for Trout. But the thing as well is that you know. Uh, uh, you got to find somebody who's going to eat some part of that contract. You know, he's still signed through 2031 right now. And that's
2: the thing. He's but a I, tradable asset, and that's it. Because right. somebody who may trade for Otani might not get him back.
5: Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, I mean, you know, he's, he's got to come off the books this year anyway in terms of Otani. So I, you know, or well, next year he'll come off the books. So, I, you know, to me it just makes more sense, logistically speaking, to move Otani instead of Trout. But, again, I, under, I understand the logic that you're making. Um, I just think if if you're a team that you know that you can take care of not just one position but two positions, you know, via the trade deadline, um, by all means, you throw you throw whatever you can to make that happen. You can, I, I guess. I wonder what is the net.
2: You have to, There yeah. has to be a team that can recover from going all in, and very few teams can do that because of the financial yeah. ability to do so. Yeah. like theoretically, the Minnesota Twins can't recover from giving away all of their assets. To go get Otani yeah. and and be able to, if he walks away in the offseason, to be able to get back in a year or two by buying their way back with players. It's just not going to happen. You know? So, I mean, there has to be a team that is willing to give away what they want mm. in return. And... I, I would be lying if I told you I know baseball farm systems. I know vaguely who's good and vaguely who isn't. But, you know, the players that are out there and, and everything else. And we are seeing now more in baseball than ever before. Guys skip AAA, get right to the majors. Guys can take fast track to the bigs, and they end up playing, and they're really good. So there is a sense that this isn't about getting guys who might take three or four years. They could be on your roster in a year or two, yeah, right? Right. Um, you know, I mean. It would take, it feels like it would take like an Ellie De La Cruz or an Adley Rushman type player that the Angels would want in return. And what team, the the Reds are not giving away Ellie De La Cruz. And neither are the
5: Orioles, you know. (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) But again, neither one of those teams really are going to pay Shohei Ohtani what he wants to keep him. So there's only a limited window of, there's only a limited number of teams that you can try. I think, still think, again, trout waving is no trade clause would be a big part of it. But. He seems more tradable because the salary control at this point matters more to teams in baseball than anything else. That's facts, too.
5: And and, I think that's that's a big part of it. And one team that really seems like it could do that, at least has the financials to kind of pull all of that off, is a team that's probably going to be selling at the trade deadline. I know that's going to lead into what we're about to talk about next.
2: Yeah. Kenny and Collin presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easily and affordable. Get multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right. We are now going to play a little Major League Baseball trade deadline buyer. So let's bring in our esteemed producer, Shannon Penn, here to help us out here, Coley. Uh, as he will give us teams with the trade deadline looming August 1st less than one month away. one month away, whether they should be buyers uh-huh. or sellers yep. at the trade deadline.
0: All right, here we go. Shannon, first team up, Coley. I will start with you. The Texas Rangers, in your opinion, should they be buyers or sellers?
5: Uh, Well, they should be buyers, but I don't know if they really need to be buyers. And the reason why is because their offense is unreal right now. They have been scoring the most runs out of any team in the big leagues. Five hundred thirty-one runs at the break. Uh, Their pitching staff probably could use another arm, so maybe they'll buy there, but. But I look at their their two stop their two top star pitchers Nathan Evalds a ten and three a two point eight three ERA and Dane Dunning's eight and two with a two point eight four ERA. I you know I, I think they might have the horses that can get them through the postseason. Oh,
2: I, I I think they need more pitching. Like this is starting to be, And Their bullpen is bad at a minimum. Yeah, they bullpen need bullpen started. help. This is a team right now that um, is starting to lose some of its luster, so to speak. And uh, I, I, look, I, my guess is here, Coley, they're going to win the AOS, and they're going to get bounced in the very first round of the playoffs because guess what? As a Yankee fan, I watch this for the better part of 10 years. Score 850 runs in a season, get to the postseason, and then get three hits in a playoff game and get a really good pitcher because <laughs> that's exactly what the Texas Rangers are setting themselves up for. So I think they need to be buyers.
0: All right, the next team on the list here, Mark, I'll start with you on this one, the San Diego Padres. Should
2: they be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? I think they should be Stan Patters. Like, they don't need to do anything. They're starting to turn it around right now. This is a team that I still think makes the playoffs. The San Diego Padres are going to be dangerous in the second half. Their lineup is finally starting to click. It took like two and a half months, but it's finally starting to click and produce the way we all thought it would. They have three, elite, three high-level starters in Michael Wacha, uh, Blake Snell, who's had an awful start, has bounced around, has, has turned it around and come back, bounced back, and, of course, you have Joe Musgrove. So they got Josh Hader at the back end. they got all the bats. I think they should stand pat and just keep playing good baseball, and they work themselves back into the NL playoff picture.
5: You know, I actually like that idea as well, but I, I, for the sake of argument, because that's what we said earlier, we're, we're going to debate and, and disagree here. I'm going to say that they should sell, and the reason is because I don't think that they're going to make it uh, all the way to the postseason. That division is just too stacked between the Dodgers getting hot, uh, the the Diamondbacks being hot all season, and you also have the Giants who are in the mix as well in the uh, in the NL West. I don't know if San Diego's quite going to be able to pull it out. Granted, again, to your point, they have played well, uh, six and four the last ten games are starting to kind of put something together so maybe, maybe maybe at the end of the day they stand pat but for the sake of argument i'm going to say that they should sell because they're not going to have the horses by the end of this all
0: right coley the next team on the list here major league baseball trade deadline buy or sell in the second half
5: the new york mets 100 percent sell uh the, the the Mets are out of it in my opinion at this point of the season. Uh it, it's, it's still early in the year, of course, but that's another division. The Braves have already run away with it. You're not going to win the division. Uh you know, maybe if you go on a hot run here to start the second half, you get a chance to 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 maybe hold hold firm and and become maybe a buyer, but I think right now uh this team has uh, has so much talent on its roster it's just not coming together. They got to be sellers.
2: Yeah, um the Mets should sell everything sell life, quit baseball, you know, all oh, no. of the above. It's bad, <laughs> man. Dear Lord, I mean, it's the only chance you really have. Uh, I, I, they don't have the pitching they had last year. The, the Scherzer and DeGrom of last year is not the Scherzer and Verlander of this year. Uh, they don't have the arms right now, and the bullpen has been below average, if not terrible at points this whole season. They need a lot at the deadline uh, in order to turn this thing around, but they can't concede because their fan base will eat them alive for it. So it's Major League Baseball. Uh, buy or sell at the trade deadline. Mark Zeno, Coley Harvey in for Kenny and calling you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and we are, again, buying or selling teams at the trade deadline with our producer Shannon Penn. Shannon, go ahead. All
0: right, Mark, the next team on the list, the Cincinnati Reds, one of the big stories so far in the first half of the baseball season. What say you? Buy or sell the second half.
2: I would love for them to buy more. But here's the thing. You know, Cincinnati is 9 games above 500. And they're in first place in a really bad division where the worst team is only 11 and a half games out. Uh but they also have a negative 9 run differential. <laughs> That's not going to hold up. Like the reason I wouldn't buy now is cuz they're still probably a year away. Right? Like you don't want to buy too soon. Uh, and and overextend yourself, because if you miss, guess what? It's hard to recover for a small market team like Cincinnati. So as much as I think they should buy, again, that's probably a stand patter for me, Coley.
5: Uh, I like that as well for them, but I'm going to go by just, I I would like to see them add maybe an extra arm in the rotation, even an extra Mm -hmm. little bit of bullpen help even for that team. Um, But this is a team that, uh, that, to the point that you're making, it's sort of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this is a young team that has formed its shell around a veteran like Joey Votto. Uh, it, it seems like it's really started to come into its own. Yeah, maybe overall a year away, but right now they're so hot. They're so uh, they're the chemistry is there. They're gelling together. Uh, at, at the end of the day, maybe maybe keep that that core together. It would be nice, to my point, um, uh, to get another arm in there as well uh, because the bats and, and Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, he does everything. He is starting to turn into a generational talent. A, a an old time if you will, in the National League.
0: All right, Coley, the next team, we can't do offseason, or excuse me, second half of the season, trade or no trade, buy or sell without discussing the New York Yankees. All right, Coley, buy or (laughs) sell, New York Yankees, trade at the deadline.
5: You know, I mean, they are so far out of the division right now that it seems like they should uh, sell their eight games out in fourth place in the AL East. Uh, But I'm saying the Yankees should buy, and it's because they are the New York Yankees, and anything less than trying to show the fan base that you are trying to win, trying to get into the playoffs, uh, that will fall short of expectations uh, in in this market here in New York. So I, I'm seeing them buying. Uh, they've got to get uh, a, another bat, especially depending on what's going on with Aaron Judge, how long he may be out, whether it's another couple of weeks, another month. Who knows at this stage? Uh, but they they've got to get some uh, some help to those to those bats. And I know that's some of what the addition of uh, Sean K. He as a hitting coach today. I'm sure that's going to address some of that 231 team batting average, uh, but I, I think it also goes with personnel. So I would expect the Yankees to try to buy, unless they just fade too far here at the uh, the start of the second half.
2: Oh God, how depressing is it to talk about the Yankees? I'm, I'm like, <laughs> just I'm so I, I'm I'm just so apathetic at this point in time. I, I'm, I'm so tired of this. Like, honestly, it's you know, I, I know nobody's crying for Yankee fans. I I, I get it. But it's been, you know, a really long time since they won anything, Uh, and and it's quite frustrating that they keep running the same thing back over and over again. So maybe a change is needed. If you do anything to get rid of Josh Donaldson, I consider that a win at the deadline. How's that sound? Okay. Mm. Um, The guy's got 14 hits, might be ten of them are home runs. That's it. I mean, so it's either an out or a home run, which is not sustainable. They're going to buy. They, they don't need any bullpen help. They don't really need any starter help. I don't know who's available for a bat. I hear that Shoei Otani guy is pretty good, though. <laughs> All
0: right, last team on the list here, Mark. The Arizona Diamondbacks, should they buy or sell at the uh, Major League Baseball
2: trade deadline? They need to buy. Dodgers are nipping at their heels right now in the NL West. They need bullpen help big time. Uh, they seem to have everything they need on the front end. Uh, they could probably use another bat with some power if, you know, if, if they could find one that's available. Um, at home, their, their home splits hitting are really great on the road. They're really below average. So they probably could use some more consistency within the lineup. But that's a team that definitely needs to buy
5: here, Coley. Yeah, 100% of, uh, in agreement there, too. Uh, needs to buy, needs to get some help in the back end of the bullpen. Um, and you, you, you have to like what they're able to do, um, in other ways. I mean, Corbin Carroll has been hot this season as a hitter. He's got the speed. He's been electric. And to the point I was making about Ellie De La Cruz earlier, um, I, when I say generational talent, I mean that he is exciting to watch in ways that Otani Ota- is as well. And that's sort of what, uh, what Carroll's given the diamond back. So I, I'm with you, uh, by there, uh, make that team even better to go for a longer run in the postseason.
2: All right, that'll do it for Major League Baseball Uh, trade deadline buy or sell. Thank you, Shannon Penn, for your efforts and your wonderful, uh, you know, tones. Keep going, keep going. We 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 appreciate you, baby. We love you. It is Canley and Carlton on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Mark Zeno and Coley Harvey in for the fellows this afternoon. Coming up next, just when you thought the scandal at Northwestern couldn't get any weirder, a former player says Pat Fitzgerald failed by not stopping the hazing. We'll discuss that coming up next. Again, Kenny and Colin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app.
1: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle
2: Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight,
1: La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
4: Bombshell report involving the Northwestern Wildcats football team involving
1: allegations of hazing.
4: This is just a difficult situation and it hasn't been handled well by the university. The investigation, the Northwestern Commission, you know, did not find sufficient evidence that Pat Fitzgerald or any of his coaches knew about what they were able to corroborate, but that obviously generated a reaction and the university president is now, as you said, reconsidering that penalty, which is essentially a two-week suspension.
2: Welcome back to Kenny and Colin here on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, represented by Progressive Insurance. Mark Zeno, Coley Harvey in for the fellows today. Follow us on Twitter at Mark Zeno M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. He's at Coley Harvey, C-O-L-E-Y, H-A-R-V-E-Y, 888-SAY-ESPN, the phone number if you'd like to join us. As we continue the conversation here about Northwestern and what has been unfolding in recent weeks with the allegations of widespread hazing throughout the program, joining us to talk about that, ESPN.com. College football senior writer Adam Rittenberg is here on Canty and Carlin. Adam, welcome. Thanks for being here, brother.
4: Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
2: All right, let's start uh, with the most recent developments here that a former player came forward uh, to substantiate these allegations. And there's the university and university president, Michael Schill, considering harsher discipline here. I mean, are, are we at a point right now where we know what the next steps in this process are going to be for Northwestern? I mean, not not entirely. I mean, there basically hasn't been anything said from the university
4: side since late, late Saturday night when Schill put out that letter to the university community essentially saying that, you know, he needs to reconsider the penalties that he already uh, gave for Pat Fitzgerald just the day before after knowing the same information that he knows right now. I mean, again, the information that was shared by the whistleblower to the Daily Northwestern and to me at ESPN.com was information that this person told me they shared to the investigative team. I I, I received the initial correspondence that this person sent to Northwestern's director of compliance back in November, detailing some of the things that we all all are reading about and learning about now. So this is not new information yet. The president is because of the blowback and and whatever else is, is reconsidering what he's going to do with Pat Fitzgerald. And until we hear from him and, and the, and the school leadership, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's quite uh, silent and eerie up, up in Evanston.
5: Uh, hey, Adam, Coley Harvey here. And I, I, I feel like this is an opportunity for us to kind of reset this a little bit for people, because there's been a lot that has been said and has been written about this. But uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners aren't fully keen on what all has taken place. You said that you spoke with the accuser, with the whistleblower in this situation uh, recently. What are some of the new things that you can share that you've learned from from the accuser?
4: Right, Cole. Yeah, I mean, he, he he was very detailed in going over uh, you know some of the hazing activities that uh, occurred, and you know, he even sent me a, a screenshot of a whiteboard that he said was in the middle of the team locker room that had uh, you know two categories: list of player names and then a list of you know, se- seemingly hazing activities um you know the naked the, the naked slingshot the naked quarterback center exchange the car wash uh which is something that uh, has been corroborated by other former players that's gone on there o- over the years and then again the, the new information is that he has had direct contact with northwestern president michael schill uh you know that, that chill you know, did not know his identity during the investigation uh and and now you know has, has recently learned it he's Reached out to the, the to the former player's family. Uh, he reached out to the former player directly and spoke to him early on, on Sunday before I spoke to the former player. So and and he felt that the president was quite receptive to you know him and his, his accounts of what happened. And you know he, he's more confident now that uh, that the penalties will be more in line with, with with what with what he wants. So that that's a new bit of information. I also spoke with a current player at Northwestern. Who, uh, you know, shared a conversation that he had with this former player with the school's trustees in which the former player, you know, detailed essentially his plan to get Pat Fitzgerald fired. And that's all he cared about. And he was willing to twist the truth and manipulate and whatever it took to get Pat Fitzgerald fired. So there's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, there are people on both sides of this. It's a very uh, difficult, intense situation up there. But I, I, again, the thing that I would reiterate to the listeners is that the information and the details have been presented for six months, more than six months now. And Northwestern ultimately uh, on Friday decided that it warranted a two week suspension at one of the lightest times of the year for coach Pat Fitzgerald. Wasn't going to conflict with preseason practice or big 10 media days or, or recruiting. And, and that's where they came with it. And and obviously now they're having to, to reconsider everything and there's, uh, other obviously other stories and other players that are speaking out?
2: Final thoughts here for Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, college football senior writer at ESPN Rittenberg is where he is on Twitter. Um, I, I guess I wonder, we talked about this earlier, Northwestern doubled down on the the, the the badness of this whole thing. Like it's Yeah, the incident happened, but not doing the accountability portion right leaves a stain all across the board on the university and everything about the football program. Ken, is there a way that they can get this right? Yeah, Mark, it's a great question. I I, I think they have to release
4: more details that led them to the the decision that they made. Now, they said in in the executive summary of that investigation that there were some of the allegations that, that were corroborated and that there was ample opportunity for people to identify and report some of these incidents that were going on in the program but they did not have enough evidence to show that Pat Fitzgerald or any of the other coaches um, you know, knew about what was going on. And other than Fitzgerald, no one else was even named or singled out as far as uh, uh, discipline. And so I, I think the big problem that they have, and again, as a private school, they can do this, but I don't think it's helping them right now is hiding behind the fact that they don't have to release the details. I mean, people mm-hmm. need to see the details. People need to understand how you reach that conclusion and then how you're reaching this new conclusion, because it's very difficult in my mind to go from a two week suspension to what many people are now calling for, which is an outright dismissal of the winningest coach in team history based on the same information. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, how, 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 how does that happen? Uh, so that, 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 that's why this is such a tough situation for President Schill, who I'll point out is relatively new on the job there at Northwestern and the other leadership at the university.
2: He is Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, a college football senior writer. Check out the work and the story that is written online. Appreciate the time, Adam. Thanks for all the great work and the great effort here. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it all right uh, mm, yeah this
5: is this the, the not
2: so proud al- alumna of yeah. uh, northwestern coley <laughs> harvey the floor is yours real
5: quick i am uh i'm still shaking my head at the whole thing and and as as even adam just said he's spoken to former players i've even spoken to uh former players who i went to school with who corroborated that some of the events that were outlined in the reporting that we have to this point uh even took place as far back as when i was in school and that was a long time ago so um this is uh, this is troubling, um, and as an alum, it's troubling to g- to know that we could be going from a two week suspension at he as he mentioned at a dead point in the year to possibly something a little more extreme. Uh, the transparency does need to occur. He's absolutely right on that.
2: Yeah, and again, without the transparency, I-, I don't know that there's a way that this ends well for the university or for Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, ultimately, it just there's a very small window which they have to fit in to get all of this right. That everybody comes out and we're all feeling good about the whole thing. Otherwise, it, uh, it, it continues to end poorly for Northwestern. All right, coming up next, the NBA with their best attempt at the World Cup to try to draw more eyeballs in November. We'll discuss it next. Mark Zeno, Coley Harvey in for Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better.
1: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Kansi and Carlin, the podcast.
2: Back to Kenny and Connor on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Mark Zeno. He's Cole Harvey filling in for the fellows here on this Monday, 888-SAY-ESPN, the phone number, 888-729-3776. Coming back, come up next hour, we'll get into our uh, more of our NFL list. I still need to hear what Jeff Darlington had to say about my list of top five quarterbacks in the NFL, Coley. Cole, so we have still have a lot to get to. Your list coming up as well. Uh, so a lot to get to coming up in the final hour of Canty and Colin here on ESPN Radio. All right, the NBA officially unveiled their format for their new in-season tournament. Uh, That they're going to play. Now, this doesn't add any more games to the schedule. It's still part of the original 82. But they unveiled these six, five team groupings, similar to what they do in World Cup. Uh, Three made up of Eastern Conference teams, three made up of Western Conference teams. That'll make up the group stage of the tournament. Um, They use the World Cup style draw process, splitting each conference into five pots that were separated by last year's regular season standings. Now, I ask you this, Coley. How much will players be motivated? And and for the record, they'll win money if they win the tournament. I uh, think it's a million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars 500, for each yeah. player, and um, you know there's the other camp. bonuses for getting to the finals and group and everything else. So this is all tied to financial benefit. But how much will players be motivated for a in-season tournament in November? And put your athlete hat on. Would you be motivated for? and in-season tournament in November?
5: Uh, definitely not in November because that's when you're still trying to find the identity of your team and, you know, you'd kind of rather that uh, – well, it will, you'd rather it still come in games that matter, you know, games that ultimately are going to matter in the, in the standings because that's what you're really playing for at the end of the day. You're not playing for the acclaim and notoriety of the NBA. You're playing for that postseason trophy, you know, at the end. And so you want to form your identity um, – uh, Early in the year, I guess you could argue that that's actually good because that, that it won't hurt them in the in the standings per se, because it's only focused on this particular tournament. But because there is a financial benefit, uh, I, I can argue that uh, that there is an, an extra level of importance for players to make sure that their teams are, are kind of in a in a wheels fluid uh, type of situation, running on all cylinders situation early in the year. Um, so yeah, if I am a player I, personally, I don't know if I am if I am all that excited about it. Um, but that might be the kind of thing that, in time, uh, uh, comes. I would tell
2: you this much: one, I think that they incentivize this incorrectly. What incentive is it for Joel Embiid, who makes thirty-seven right. million dollars this year, to win five hundred thousand? Right, like a lot. And, and granted, again, this is more for the guys at the end of the bench and everything right. else. But you know, still, there's not much incentive. You know, guys make the All Star team, they get a million dollar bonus. <laughs> so. Uh, what is a in-season tournament November? What would have been cool is if they, you know, treated this Survivor style, like you don't get kicked off the island kind of deal. Uh, imagine if they, if the winner of this was guaranteed the ten seed mm. in the playoffs, mm. mm-hmm. right? Like, so for whatever reason, if you fi- if you finish nine or above, that's the seed you get. If you're eleven or lower, you would now automatically be the ten seed. So. In reality, it's one of those things where it automatically assumes that you'll be playing at least one postseason game, right? Like you have that chance to be able to play a postseason game. like That, to me, I think would create more incentive that teams would be willing to uh, try to win the thing for.
5: Yeah, and I actually actually really like that a lot because uh, that goes to the point that I was just making in terms of not just the financial benefit, but... T- the players are are wanting to win at the end of the year, you know, and, and right. this already builds in some level of hey, at least we've got this far, so we know that we've got that in our back pocket by the end of the season. And you're still going to clearly be playing hard throughout the year, so that not only do you have that seed, but hey, maybe you end up you know a three seed at the end of the year. Who knows? You know, you're still going to play towards something uh, if right. you're on that team, and it's also early enough in the year that it, it wouldn't slow that down. Um, I'm with you. I, I think that would have been I mean, that would have added to. It. How much would you really be upset
2: as a fan base if you were the actual 10 seed by record, but yet a team that finished 12th got your playoff spot for your playing? How much would you actually be upset? Like, I mean, in reality, what are you really crying about? Yeah, I your team barely got in. You know, I I mean, hey, if you wanted to make sure, then win win the play in tournament. Like, that to me is a worthwhile incentive. That whatever team wins it automatically is guaranteed the ten seed. You finish above it, that's the seed you hold. If you're below it, you are now the ten seed. So, you know, and and there's no reason to. And by the way, your draft pick would be correlated to the ten seed. Sure. So theoretically, you couldn't tank all the way out right. and still get the ten seed, and then have the same percentage. So automatically, you are slotted as the tenth, the worst of the twenty playoff teams. That is you. Right. So you know you're not affecting draft status or anything else, and, and you're still trying to win games and get above that 10 seed. Well, but it's a nice little, you know, thing in their pocket there.
5: Yeah, and well, the other thing about it is that the, the NBA for the last couple of years has really been trying to play up the play-in tournament, right? Uh, this is another way to really uh, kind of just c- kind of send that to another level. And And even this past year, we saw the benefit of the play-in with the Heat. Uh, losing that first game, then winning the second one, and then going on this run, that ended up all the way in the finals. So, uh, so there's there's certainly incentive to, uh, to to maybe build in a long postseason run if you even crack uh, that play in uh, right there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like that.
2: Yeah, I I just don't think the money is enough. Yeah. And all I'm really waiting for <laughs> is the team that wins it. Some. Of- Ask about it, and a player be like, oh, you won the play-in tournament. Whoop-de-doo. And then that clip be coming back when they beat them in the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> being played over and over and over again. Like, that's, that's all I'm waiting for. So there's going to be some player who's going to be asked about it and is going to have a snarky response that absolutely will be played on repeat uh, <laughs> until that team beats that team in the playoffs, right? Like, that, you know, yeah. uh, become the first team to win the play-in tournament and the NBA title in the same year kind of deal. And, you know, lo and behold, it, uh, it's it a thing. Least. I mean. Yeah. I think in general too the NBA sometimes here is trying a little bit hard to make perfect the enemy of good. You know in a sense where you're not going to compete with the NFL in November. Why are you trying? You're not going to draw more eyeballs to an in-season tournament because you're doing it during November.
5: Mm.
2: Stick to what you do well, work on the latter part of the season, the trade deadline and the NBA playoffs and that's where you make your money.
5: Yeah, don't forget coming up
2: next too. that too. Uh, We will see if Coley Harvey can rattle everybody at ESPN with his top five Uh. quarterback list like I did. That's next. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin
1: podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.